this year as we go over the series Anchored in God. We've been talking about the law and how um, the law was meant really to point out the fact to us that we could never keep the law. But the law was given to show the character and nature of God, how we should relate to God, how we should love God, how, how God loves us, and how we should love each other. Um, the Bible is connected stories of God's intervention in connecting with us and contacting us about his love. If you read uh, Genesis, the first few chapters, you find out this wonderful saying, the Lord God, the Lord God came, the Lord God saw, the Lord God walked, the Lord God gave, the Lord God, 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 the Lord God. You kind of get the picture. Okay, Lord God, I realize now you really want to have a relationship with us. The Lord God, Yahweh Elohim. Sovereign, gracious God, Lord over creation, heaven and earth. That very God that has created the cosmos is intimately desiring to have a relationship with you through Christ Jesus. And that's why we're, we're trying to dive into the Word of God to talk about uh, the fact that we're not all about religion. Religion is a great thing. If your religious practices teach you about the love of God and involve you in the love of God, involve you in the, the Spirit's wooing and the Spirit's working in your life, your religion is good. But if your religion creates imaginations and intentions in your heart that allow you to live a loveless life concerning God and your neighbor, then your religion really stinks. It's self-righteousness and it's filthy rags to God. I know, because I was into filthy rags. I can say that. See, we serve a God that is passionate about diving into our lives. And friends, let's face it. Greatest thing in this life is love. Greatest thing in this life is love. The sense of belonging and the sense of being accepted. Two things psychologists tell, tell us that we need. We need to be loved genuinely and authentically. And we need to have the ability to love others. Sin defeats us in both areas. It gives us a mindset that we're not worthy or we're not valued or nobody loves us. And it also, through our hurts and our pains and our struggles, causes us not to be vulnerable, not to reach out, not to love but you see, Jesus Christ came and he said, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're going to look at the first three commandments. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 20. All the commandments are wrapped up and based on these two commandments that Jesus brings to fulfillment the law of God, and that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The problem with a lot of us is that we love ourselves with heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we love God as our neighbor. 
We're taking time to get into wrapping our heads around, around that fact, change our mindsets to receive the love of God through the power of the Holy Spirit because he wants to transform us from that relationship of loving ourselves with everything that we are and loving God like we love our neighbor. He wants to blow our minds open to the love of God. What else is there but the love of God? The love of God will see you through broken relationships. The love of God will see you through cancer. The love of God will see you through financial problems. The love of God will see you through the hurt and pain and sorrow of life that we all know. And we're not kidding ourselves. In the vernacular of today's youth, life sometimes sucks. Yes, it does. But there is a God that has come to be with us. Not give us bullet points of answers where we get a knowledge about God, but he's come to be with us so that we can know him. See, it's not really what we know about God. It's what do we really love? That's the question these three, these three commandments really bring out to us. What do we really, really, really love? Why don't you turn to Exodus chapter 20. And we will, I got this, look at this honking Bible right here, huh? This is a biggie. This is a browbeater right here. Watch this. No, just kidding. Um, study Bible, really, really good, but it's ESV. So uh, Exodus chapter 20, and we'll read the first seven verses, all right? And we're going we're gonna, to, I want you to really lay your heart out now, okay? Lay your heart out. All right? Because God wants to touch your heart. We know, all we, we, we know all about God. Let's face it. Come on. We know about God. But has God really changed our hearts and transformed us from the inside where we feel the love? Right? All right. Exodus chapter 20. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved, carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love, steadfast love, to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And then flip your devices or your Bible to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's start with verse 4, okay? Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. And it goes a little bit like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, 
houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God. You shall fear him. You shall serve him. By his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Serious stuff. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may go well with you, that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in, in the time to come, Dad, what in the world is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, Son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. Son, we were slaves to sin and condemnation. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord has brought us out and delivered us from the penalty and the power of sin through Christ Jesus. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all the commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Wow, that was a lot. The beauty about God and Israel is that for 400 years, Israel, the Hebrew people, were under slavery to Egypt. Egypt was a polytheistic society. They served numerous gods. Gods all over the place. Images in their homes and images on walls and all kinds of images and images and images that the people of Israel, the, the Hebrew people, put up with for 400 years. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, yo, Israel, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to take you out of that land. I'm going to take you out of that slavery. But you've got to serve me and me alone, for I am the one true God. And he's saying that to us today. He wants to take us out so that he can bring us in to this wonderful, wonderful salvation and fill us to the uttermost with the presence and the power of God. Amen? God did an awesome thing in Egypt. He did an awesome thing in Egypt. Every plague, every wonder that Moses did before the people of Israel and before the people of Egypt, he did so that he would destroy the influence and impact of those gods upon the Hebrew people. He destroyed them. There was an Egyptian god of the Nile, what did God do in the Nile River? He turned it to blood. There was a goddess of fertility, water, and renewal, represented by a frog's head. What did he do to that god? 
He brought frogs all through the land. Amen? To show the Israelites and to show the Egyptians, I am the one true God. And I do what I want to do because I am a sovereign God. Third, lice came from the dust of the earth. There was a God that the Egyptians served that was the God of the earth, the God of the dust of the earth. All their gods turned upon them and afflicted them, caused them sorrow, caused them pain, and God did that. Did it for the Egyptians and he did it for the Hebrew people that they might know the power and authority and dominion of the one true God. Amen? Flies. How many love flies? I love it when I'm at a picnic and I go to eat my hamburger and a fly is sitting right on the burger itself. They're very, very dirty creatures. In Egypt, there was a god called the Egyptian god of creation, symbolized by, pictured by as a fly. God destroyed that god, destroyed the Egyptians' uh, wonder of these gods. He destroyed them, he discredited them, he dishonored them. Death of cattle and livestock. There was a goddess of love and protection. Boils and sores, there was a god of medicine and peace. Locusts sent from the sky, there was an Egyptian god of storms and disorder. Hail rained down like fire from the sky, there was a goddess of the sky. Locusts sent, Egyptian god of storms and disorder. Three days of complete darkness, there was a god called Ra, the sun god. God destroyed him. Amen? The ultimate power in Egypt was Pharaoh. Pharaoh, God brought Pharaoh down to his knees by taking his firstborn. Pharaoh had no power. And when the Egyptians and the Hebrews understood that God took Pharaoh, the ultimate power in Egypt, the ultimate God, took his firstborn son began to change their mindsets a little bit, didn't it? And you see, all these are types and shadows of what God is doing in your heart today. Because we have gods that we have created in our heart, in our minds, that are destroying us, that turn on us, and they destroy us. God wants to take us out of the land of slavery, amen? And bring us into the promised land of victory, and power, and authority, and dominion. And I'm not talking about a good life, or a life like a bowl of cherries. I'm talking about a God that is with us. Lord God, sovereign God, Lord of creation, Lord of heaven and earth, wants to reside in you through the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to set you free. Whoa! Set you free. So the Israelites take off on their journey. And for 40 years, you know the story. Moses, the power and the wonder and the glory and the splendor and the majesty of God, what God did with those Hebrew people, but yet they did not turn their heart to God. They died in that wilderness because they did not 
turn to faith in God and trust him. Massa and Meribah was a place where they came upon where the Hebrew people were complaining and whining and why did you bring us out here only to kill us? We could have had water and we could have had garlic and we could have had all that stuff back in Egypt. Do you ever think like that? That you want to go back to your old life? It's sick and it's demented and it's distorted and stop thinking that. Because God has some miracles for you. Amen? God has some water out of the rock. He's got some bread from heaven that he wants to bring down to you today. Forty years. I don't want to do this. I ain't not Moses. What are you doing? You're coming in to kill us. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Right? Finally, God had enough and said, man, they're going to wander for 40 years, and they are not going in to the land because they did not look at what God had done, and they did not trust him. They did not love him. They did not respond to him. David Hahn sent me a nice little poster thing that says, remember what the Lord has done. David, where are you? Remember when we prayed for what we have today. Remember for what we prayed for when we have today. Remember for what we prayed for because we have it today. Isn't that something? We're going to begin a prayer wall where we're going to have the prayer requests on one side and then we're going to have the praise reports on the other side. Amen? Because God answers prayer. And Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, you will receive it. For in this manner, we glorify our heavenly father when we ask. Amen? We ask, we ask, we ask because God wants to give. So the Israelites were wandering. And then in Exodus chapter 20, it says, I am the Lord, your God. I'm going to take you out of the land and I'm going to take you out of slavery. That word your is not referring to the Israel Hebrew people. It's referring to each individual, singular. I am your God. Some of you come every, every Sunday and you might not consider God your God. You might be bound up in the atmosphere and the Holy Spirit moving and, you're, and you feel good, but you don't know yet if God is your God. Today we can make sure when you leave this place that you have a sense that God is your God, that you are his people. Amen? You are his child. You belong to him. He accepts you. There's access into his very presence because of what Christ has done. What a beautiful salvation that we have. Amen? Amen. Took us out of our bondage and slavery and set us free. I am the Lord your God. You shall not have any gods before me. This phrase is translated in my presence or before my face. Can you imagine God, who is the only one true God, but yet we come into his presence with all these gods shackled to our, chained up to our lives. We wander into his presence and he's saying, what is this? Get this stuff away from my face. Get this stuff out of my presence. Amen. Now, if I was out uh, with my wife for dinner 
and some dude came up that was her ex-boyfriend years ago, and she considered him and knew him and had him come down and sit at our table and had a conversation with him with me there, I would probably be in jail right now as I would choke the dude out. We do this with God, friends. God is a jealous God, though. Why do we come into his presence with other things and put them before his face, make a mockery of who God is? God doesn't like that. God's a jealous God. We come into his presence, we make sure our heart is right. And we say, God, you are my one true God. There is no other gods before you but you. Second commandment, we don't create any images, right? Israel was, was filled, Egypt was filled with all the images. And God knew that the land that they were going to take was filled with pagan people, with pagan gods all over the place. And he said, you will not create. Make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven, that is in earth or beneath the water under the earth. Nothing. Now, we live in a society where we don't have a mantle and we don't create a God and we don't make things out of wood. We make things out of what we need, what we think we need, creations of our own intentions and our own inventions. You might think a relationship is going to give you everything that you need. You might think a car is going to give you everything that you need. You might think a job is going to give you everything that you need. You might think a church service is going to give you everything that you need. It's not true. We create images and likenesses that we serve. And I was thinking this week how when all the earth, every tribe, nation, and tongue comes before God with their gods and place them before his face, fame, materialism, money, bitterness, unforgiveness, all this stuff when it's measured before a holy, righteous God and they realize that their life was lived in sin, shallowness, and hollowness compared to the mighty, mighty God that they could have served and they could have known and they could have loved. That's hell, my friends. That's hell. No other gods before him. If you have something that you think is juggling as priority number one with God, kill it. Kill it. If it's a car, run it into our building over there. Maybe we'll get a new building. Oh, no. Uh, your right hand offended, offends you, cut it off. Right? Let's get, like, violent, man. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says that the violent take heaven by force. What does that mean? And that you are violently, radically involved in making Jesus Christ Lord of your life. And you're willing to kill stuff. You're willing to let things die in order that the life and power of Christ will be risen within your life. Amen? Amen. You shall have no other gods before me, prioritized above me. It takes a lot. It takes a lot. Did the Lord ever tell you to give something when you didn't want to give it? Because you had the per person in mind and they just didn't seem worthy, right? Oh, Lord, this, 
person's scum of the earth. You want me to give this to Come on. <laughs> give it. Amen? Give it. If there's something that's between you, your soul, and the Savior, kill it. The Bible says, put to death the works of the flesh. Put to death even the good things that don't allow, allow the great things of God in your heart and in your life. Kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. Let it die. Because what we feed survives, doesn't it? What we starve dies. You shall have no other gods before me, in my presence, in my face, because I am a jealous God. Didn't we just read it? He will wipe you off the face of the earth. This message will sell, let me tell you. $29.99, you can get this message. Truth of God is known in people's hearts. Romans chapter 1. We don't give glory to God. We don't give thanks to God. We exchange the truth of God for a lie, and our hearts become darkened, and our minds become futile, worthless, useless when it compares to worshiping and honoring God. Romans chapter 1 speaks about a soul that turns themselves over to a depraved mind, a mind that no longer is capable of being wooed by the Spirit of God. For so long they've rejected the truth, they've dishonored God, they've turned their back on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, I will give you what you want, and I will back away from you. The truth is, the sinful heart does not want to bow to the one true God. The Israelites left Egypt. We're on their way to the promised land. He warned them about the competition. That there would be a war of loyalty for their hearts. Deuteronomy 11.16 says, Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. God warned the Israelites not to intermarry with the Canaanites. Not because he was a racist, but because he knew that the influence and the impact of someone that's not equally yoked, that doesn't have a love for God, will drain you, will cause you to slip, will cause you to fall away. Don't do it. This was a choice that the people of Israel had to face again and again. When they successfully entered Canaan under Joshua's leadership, Joshua issued the challenge that still stands today. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord God. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your forefathers that who served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, come on now! We will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen? Later on, the prophet Elijah would challenge the people. How long will you waver between two opinions? James speaks about the, the man that's going back and forth. He's, he's unstable in all his ways. Make a choice. Make a decision. When you make a decision to, to, to cause Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, your life is over. Let's face it. And your new life has begun. Amen? Amen? This was the kind of world the Israelites lived in, and this was the world in which God first issued this command. 
you shall have no other gods before me. See, what happens when we bring different gods before God's face, we worship other gods with God. In essence, we do not worship God. And what happens is we say things that we're not, we're not truly involved in. We bring dishonor and discredit to the name of God, the holiness of God, the splendor of God, and the righteousness of God. We live our lives making, making a, a farce out of the name of God. As Christian believers today, we're under the authority and dominion of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? We are His. We are bought with a price. We are His possession. He is our master. There's power in the name of Jesus. I want, you, I want you to think about something right now that's concerning you, an anxiety, a fret, a situation, financial struggle, broken relationships, anything. And in a few seconds, we're going to utter the name of Jesus by faith. We're going to believe that God is going to move on our behalf. Amen? See, when Jesus walked the face of the earth, what happened to the demons when Jesus came around? Oh, no, Jesus! Why do you torment me before my time? Get out! Jesus walked the face of the earth with power and authority. When he spoke, people looked back and said, uh, this dude speaks with authority and with power that we've never, ever heard before. You know why? Because he's God. That's why. Moses went to the Israelites, to the Egyptians, and Moses was like, what's your name, God? What's, who should I say sending me? What did he say? Tell them I am that I am. I think of Popeye when I, when I say that. I am what I am. I am what I am. The religious leaders in John chapter 8 were talking about talking to Jesus, and they were saying, Yo, man, we got Abraham as our father. What did Jesus say? Oh, yeah, really? Before Abraham was, I am. Immediately, they realized the connection that Jesus Christ was calling himself God, and they were ready to kill him. See, right now, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have the great I am dwelling within us, the power of the Holy Spirit. They understand what we're dealing with, people. The great I am. We sing that song. There is no rival. There's no competitor. There's no institution, organization. No power on earth, power in heaven, dominion, authority, or any speculation or argument that come up, can come up against the wonder and the knowledge and the power and authority and dominion of the great I am, who is Jesus Christ who says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Wow. What a God we serve. Amen? What a God we serve. So, when we gather on our Sunday celebrations, people, I want this to be like the body shop, okay? Recently, I brought my car, my car, my car into the garage, and I had to pay a lot of money because the thing is not right, okay? 
needs fixing, needs repairing, needs restoring. It needs a miracle in Jesus' name. Transform that Kia into Mercedes, God. In Jesus' name. Our Sunday celebrations, guys, is the body shop. We are the body of Christ. And guess who's the great mechanic? The great physician, the great healer, the great deliverer, the great provider. Who is it now? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. We come into this place. Every time I come into this place, I know that I'm going to get worked on. Some of it will be stretching and working that I will not like, but I know it has to be done because I claim Jesus Christ as, as Lord. I felt his love. I know he loves me. And he's got a purpose and destiny for my life. And because he loved me so, so much. The Bible says that, behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. He loves you. Get filled up with his love today. There's nothing that can compare. God said to the Israelites, I am the Lord, your God. And I'm going to set you free. Two declarations that are promises. I'm your God, and I'm going to set you free. Amen? But don't come before me up in my face with junk. When you come before me, you come with all of your heart. You lay it down before me, and I will change you. I'll transform you. I'll make you new. I'll make you wonderful. I'll make you... I'll make you all that you need to be. When we leave this place of being completely His, we walk out into a lost, broken, dying world, and we lift up the name of Jesus with our words, with our actions, with our affections, with our attitudes, with our thoughts. Everything is for the lifting up of the name of Jesus. Jesus said it. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Talking about the cross talking about the crucifixion. Amen? Wow. Don't bring this junk into my face. Serve me and me alone. Don't create images and likenesses out of your hurts and your bruises and your experiences and the things of your past. Don't do it. Don't worship all that stuff. And when you live your life, determine this right now for all eternity. That everything you say, everything you do, all of your affections that you allow in your heart will bring glory and honor to the wonderful name of Jesus. When we do that, Lackawanna will not have a chance. All right? It's over for them. Because God is coming in with all of his power and all of his might. Just like he did with the Egyptians. Destroyed their gods. And said, I am the one true God. That's what I'm praying for Lackawanna. All the folks in Lackawanna, all the gods that they have set up, God will come in like a storm and destroy them and discredit them and dishonor them and annihilate them from the face of the earth. That's my prayer. It's time to allow our hearts to be spoken to by the Holy Spirit. When we hear the word of God, we need to respond to it. With truth, you either reject it or you accept it. If you let it linger, it turns cancerous, it turns poisonous in your heart. 
It causes you to be things that you don't want to be. Accept the truth of God today or reject it. You can do that today. If you don't know Christ as your Lord, we can do that today too. Where all of a sudden you'll walk into the promised land and say, yeah, I am free. Amen? We're going to worship the Lord together with this, this video that we've played before. But it speaks to the heart of the first three commandments. Loving God. You see, we want to get away from loving yourself with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And loving your God as your neighbor. We want to love God with everything that we are. Out of the overflow of our heart and the ministry of his love, we can truly love ourselves and love our neighbor. I don't know why, but he loves us. Amen? Amen. He loves you today. Let's check it out.